you want to open up your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 10, I'm going to read a portion of that. And the reason why I'm doing this is because we're starting a new year. We're going to get back to poor old 2 Samuel at some point and finish what we start. But I was thinking about the prophet Jeremiah. And at one point, he was talking to the Lord, and we're in Hebrews 10. But Jeremiah says to the Lord, you know what? The wicked are getting away with everything they want to do. What's with that? And the Lord replied to Jeremiah, and this is what he said. If you have run with footmen and they've tired you out, then how can you compete with horses? If you fall down in a land of peace, how will you do in the thicket of the Jordan? And what God is saying there is that you think this is bad. It's going to get worse. You need endurance. Now, you know, we live in similar times to Jeremiah, only we're not looking at the end of a nation. We're looking at the end of the world. And if we think it's tough now, it's going to get tougher. Aren't you glad you came to church? <laughs> For real encouragement and me up. So what we need for this year is endurance. Endurance is the ability to withstand hardship and adversity and especially the ability to continue with something strenuous and exhausting and not give up. So endurance overcomes exhaustion, discouragement, and all the difficulties that we face until we receive what God has promised. That's what it means for us. So that's why we're in Hebrews chapter 10. And I'm reading from verse 35, if you want to read along with me. The writer says there, Therefore do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he who is coming will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. But if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. So what we're doing here is waiting. The same as we waited last year. And we're waiting for the fulfillment of God's promise. 
And as Christians, we emphasize the second coming of Jesus because his coming will be God fulfilling everything in his word. All the promises of God. He made a covenant with Abraham. And he said, to you I give this land. Now, you know, he made the same covenant with Isaac and with Jacob. And you realize none of those guys have received God's promise even yet? This is 3,800 years later. So there's still things to be fulfilled. Now, you know, Jesus fulfilled some of the prophecies in the Old Testament when he came the first time. Very important. But there remains so much more to be fulfilled. When Jesus comes, he is going to vindicate the name of God. And we're looking forward to that. Because right now, everybody can decide for themselves who is God. They can pick this religion, that religion, no religion. That's called the smart option. Or say, you know what? My hobby is my religion. Whatever I want to have fun with, that is my religion. And you can't compel anybody short of offering to cut off their head. But you know, there's problems with coercing people to accept this religion, that religion. Any philosophy or religion, there's a problem with coercion. So right now, as far as we're concerned, we talk about Jesus, but everybody gets to make a choice. And many people that we talk to say things, well, you know, I don't believe that stuff. And everybody can have their own opinion. All right? Maybe we look like dopes now because we talk about Jesus Christ crucified for our sins and risen from the dead. But when Jesus comes back, you see, he's going to vindicate the name of God and it's going to be obvious as the daylight who God is and who God is not. And all of those people who have pushed for another religion, they're going to mourn and weep. All of those people who are so brilliant and intelligent and pursue another philosophy, they're going to be shown to be dopes because they refused to consider, they rejected while they had the chance, but here comes Jesus. So everybody knows, oh my goodness, he's God. And Jesus' coming is going to fulfill everything that he promised for you personally. Not just in a global sense, 
but his coming has direct impact on your life. John in, in 1 John chapter 3 says, Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. That means you're going to be glorified with the very glory of God. That's the promise of God. Your body will be made heavenly and eternal. In Revelation 24, verse 4, it says, God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. So think about being repaid for all of the suffering that you have endured in your life. No more crying. It's interesting that when God wipes away your tears, they stay wiped. They're not coming back. Just that gentle act is him making it up to you for all of those things that you have suffered so that you say in your heart, I'm, I'm good. I'm fine with that. All of the things now that you struggle with, that you say to yourself, why? That really wind you up, twist you and grind you. And you just go, okay, I'm good. That's what you are looking forward to. It says, you will rule the earth with Jesus. Now that is going to be amazing. <laughs> Order. The second death will not hurt you. You will look upon the judgment. And that's as close as you will ever get. And in the ages to come, God is going to show you the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Now you'd think, what else? What else is there? And the answer is, there is more. And it's the kind of thing where you're not going to go, oh, yeah, but I, I miss Netflix. This is, this is going to be engaging in eternal life indeed. Now, these are tremendous promises, and they are coming. And one of the things about church is that it, you learn in church to keep looking to what is coming. From that comes the endurance to not lose the plot right now. OK? 
okay? Because the promises of God are worth waiting for, but that's the rub. You have to wait. Now, quick pull. Who likes waiting? Oh, I almost saw a hand, you liar. In fact, Joni and I were talking the other day about the times we have spent in limbo. Not Catholic limbo, because that's for people who were never baptized, and that's not in the Bible. But this kind of state where this thing is at an end and the next thing has not yet appeared and where the heck are we? And we've thought about the months and the years we have spent waiting. Waiting for that next step to kick in. And that's something that will drive you nuts is the waiting. And if you think about it, you're probably waiting on stuff right now. And you say, I wonder why this drags on. Let's well, more of this <laughs> working in your life. But this is what demands endurance. You remember Jesus said, the one who endures to the end is the one who's going to get saved. And there aren't any promises if you don't endure. So think about Abraham. He's still waiting. And you know he's still alive. So imagine a state in which you're waiting for God to fulfill the promise. And the only way that God can fulfill the promise that he made to Abraham is to raise him from the dead. Because he said, I will give you this land forever. And so God never meant to give Abraham the land while he was still alive because he would have to die. And that's not his promise. I'm going to give you this land forever. So first of all, I'm going to have to make you live forever. And then I'll give you the land. So Abraham is still waiting. So is Isaac and Jacob and David and Paul and everybody. We're all waiting. And that's a long time to not get discouraged, don't you think? So that's what happens when you're waiting. You think to yourself, you know what? This is dumb. It's never going to happen. And maybe not during my lifetime. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. And you might die before Jesus comes again. That's something you have to think about soberly. You know, I may not make it. All of my health issues might rise up at the same time and fall upon me. And that would be pretty much the end of it right there. So, 
I would have to keep on waiting even though I'm still seriously dead. But so is everybody else. Now, you know, there's lots of people you'll run into who say, you know what, you're stupid for waiting. Because when you die, you go poof. And that's the end of all your waiting. So you're withholding a lot of fun and satisfaction from yourself that you could have right now, you know. If you weren't waiting for pie in the sky when you die. So you know, it's not easy to wait for God's promise, is it? So this is the second reason why we need endurance. The first reason is to inherit the promise, just like the writer says. You have need of endurance so that after you've done the will of God, you may receive the promise. That's what we're looking for. But the second reason we need it is for right now, to do the will of God. The promise is after we have done the will of God, but right now, we're doing something that demands endurance. We're doing the will of God. There's two aspects to this. One is what the will of God is for you personally. And the second is the will of God that he does through you to others. Now the will of God for you personally is to make you like Jesus. And yes, you're gonna be glorified when he comes. But God is already doing a work in you. He's transforming your thoughts, he's transforming your character, and this is called sanctification. It is a process of you becoming holy like God. And God is acting as your father. He's raising you to be his child. And that means discipline. He will discipline you to share his holiness. Now, without that holiness, you won't see him. So this is a big priority. You want to be open and receptive to all of God's training and discipline so that you turn out the way he wants you. So God is going to bring us into painful situations, difficult situations, and he's going to make us wait. Because there's nothing like waiting to make you like Jesus. <laughs> That's discouraging. You know, part of being a Christian is coming to grips with how little you resemble Jesus, that he is good and kind and loving and all the things that you are not. Him, yes, me, no. Him, yes, me, no. You think I'm ever gonna see God at this rate? And as you realize how little you are like Jesus, you can be discouraged. You think, 
am I ever going to get there? And I have never found it easy to follow Jesus. Have you? This thing about you lay down your life, you pick up your cross, you follow Jesus, you pray, not my will but yours be done. Wow. But not only that, that will of God for you, your sanctification, there's also what God does through you to others. That is, God saves you for his purpose. And he teaches you to lay down your purpose. What you thought your life was going to be about, no, it's not. I want you to do what I want. And so we're learning, and he's teaching us. This is who you are. This is what I want you to do. He gives each one of us gifts of grace. And he says, I want you to use what I give you to love other people in the church and build them up. That's what I want you to do. If somebody isn't built up, I want you to notice that and I want you to build them up. That's the will of God. So as everyone has received grace and mercy from God, you turn around and you use that to strengthen others in love. That's the will of God. But then that love and mercy and grace is supposed to extend outward to everybody else, this neighborhood, the people at your job, the people that you run into at the supermarket, the person who runs into your car. That overflow is supposed to go out to them. And you look for those opportunities to tell somebody about Jesus and how he's the only way. And you know God loves you. And then you know how somebody can maybe not be receptive. That can be discouraging too. I've walked away from all sorts of stuff and just thought, well, that was the dumbest witness to Jesus in two millennia. I think I qualify for a Luther evangelist. And God says, uh, do it again. Do it again. You know, that's how you get better at it, is you do it again. And you face your fears. I just happened to see a, a video by Dennis Prager about facing your fears. It was really good. You ought to watch it. He says, you face your fear by doing it. Get on that airplane. If you're afraid to fly, go somewhere and survive and do it again until you're not afraid. I thought, yeah, because that's what I've had to do. Every time it's time for me to witness, I go, <gasps> and I go, God, help, here we go. And then I do it every single time. But I do it. 
And sometimes it's just like landing the Millennium Falcon on yet another stupid planet. And then you're just hanging off the edge of the cliff. Any landing you walk away from is a good one. And that's my evangelistic career. But you know what? You just do it again. And you learn stuff. You face your fear and you do it. Well, people can still say awful things to you. And that can be discouraging, can't it? And it makes you feel like, I don't want to do this anymore. But you know, people are not really the enemy. That's why we keep reaching out. The real enemy are spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Because there is spiritual opposition to you living for Jesus. You think, well, all I want to do is love people and be nice. I mean, what is the problem with that? And in any other world, not a big deal. But this world is run by Satan. And so Satan is always attacking And if he's not attacking, he's waiting for the surprise attack. He picks and chooses. There's that daily sort of, I'm swimming against the stream, but there's also that evil day when it just falls out of the sky like firebrands, arrows, and death. That can be discouraging. And the temptation that the writer talks about here is to shrink back. Because you can get weary in your soul. Like these people that he's writing to, you can drift. You don't have to be in this struggle and this exertion and get exhausted. You can just back off. And all of that opposition goes magically away. See? So, you shrink back. You say, no, I'm not going to do this. And the, the effect of that is the promise does not seem as real. You lose your grasp on the promise that God is going to fulfill in the future. And see, that's why the writer is writing to a group of people who backed off and they lost the plot. And the writer is writing a tough letter in love to stop that. So, God thinks it would be a lousy, rotten thing for you to not inherit the promise. And he thought it was a lousy, rotten thing for the people that the writer is writing to for them to not receive the promise. He wants us to receive the promise. So we have this need for endurance. Does everybody get that? So where do you get 
endurance? How do you keep on going? And the answer is in this word, faith. Now the just shall live by faith. Now, if you hear the word endurance, that suggests something like a marathon runner. They're in, they're in shape. They've trained. They got muscle. And they're running because they're crazy. So they just, they run 26 miles. And you think, I have to do that. Because you're a Christian. Because this is not a sprint, it's a marathon. How many times have you heard that? That's a trope for us Christians. We're running a marathon. Yes, I know, but I hate marathons. But you think endurance, and you have to have muscles, and you have to have strength and power. And you think to yourself, I have to do this. And people will tell you, you know, you have to believe in yourself. Summon it from within. But you know, if that is true, it is just a matter of time before you fail. That's all. Let's say you're really fit and ready to go. Okay, it's going to take you a lot longer, but then you will fall over. You have run out. With us here, oh, 10, 15 minutes, no sweat. <gasps> I quit. But if it depends on us, we're not going to make it. Faith means I look outside myself for help. Faith is not some kind of a power. And if you have enough faith, you know, you can do anything. That's not true. Faith is weakness depending on somebody else. So Jesus has already done things for you and for me that we could never do. He died for our sins to pay for them. It is finished. I could never do that. And he rose from the dead to newness of life. I could never do that. Having faith in Jesus means to depend on the fact that he died for me and that he rose again from the dead for me. That is biblical faith in Jesus. It doesn't mean that I, somehow I have to make myself acceptable to God. Because if any person could do that, then Jesus died in vain. And he says, if there is any other way, let this cup pass from me. And the answer is no. So we begin our Christian life depending on what Jesus has done for us. So faith means I depend on Jesus. And it also means I am no longer on my own. 
So whatever this endurance thing is about, it's not about me being some kind of a maniac marathon runner to think that suddenly I'm going to turn into some kind of super thing all on my own. But instead, I'm going to share the life of Jesus and I'm going to receive what he's already giving right now. See, the promise hasn't been fulfilled yet. But God is giving certain things right now that we can receive. And if we receive those things, then we're going to have the endurance to receive the promise when he comes. Does everybody get me? So, our life right now is to receive all the help that he's giving. So what things are he, is he, <laughs> what's he giving? Sock it to me right now. Well, I'll tell you about it next week. And I sincerely hope that everyone gets here next week. For then I shall open my mouth and talk about three things that I don't have time to this week. Isn't that awful? But it's true. One of those things that God gives right now to enable us to have endurance is his word. His very word gives. This is one of the most amazing things you can ever experience about the Bible is that he gives to you in a way that is unlike anything else on the planet. Everything else takes from you. But his word gives. And we're going to talk about this. The second thing that God gives right now is his presence. The fact that Jesus says, I am with you always enables endurance. And the third thing that God gives right now to enable us to endure is suffering. Suffering. I said that because you sneezed, right, when I said that. And I didn't want anybody to miss it. Look at my lips. Suffering. And you go, whoa, wait a second. How does that help me? Because all of the suffering we go through exhausts us. That can't be part of the solution, can it? But see, that's why you have to come back next week. Because you're going to find out how it works. Oh, I'm really looking forward to next week. But I want to show you something right now that will enable you to endure until next week. Look what he says in verse 39 here. 
But we are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. You see, God is working in our lives right now. And that is why we are going to learn endurance, every single one of us. We're not of those who shrink back. And you might say, no, I'm a shrinker. I'm pretty sure I am. No, you're not. If you have received Jesus, you have been born again of the Holy Spirit. You have received a new nature. That old nature, that shrinker, that person who just wants to hide under the covers in your pajamas all day long, that person died with Christ. And you have a new nature. You're not the same person you were with a little bit of religion, you know, taped to you with duct tape so it would stick. You are a new creation in Christ. And that new nature overcomes the world. Now, in Revelation chapter 10, it says this, Then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren has been thrown down, he who accuses them before our God day and night. And they overcame him because of the blood of the Lamb and because of the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives even when faced with death. Now, in the Garden of Eden, Eden, the devil overcame Adam and Eve. They weren't smart enough or strong enough to resist him. But here, ordinary people overcome the devil. And the way they do is that they are born again. Jesus is in them. And the devil cannot overcome Jesus. So John says in 1 John chapter 4, You are from God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. And in chapter 5, John says, For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is the one who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. So, consider this. You are going to receive God's promise. You're going to overcome because God is working in you and you are not alone. God himself is going to give you the ability to keep going and not give up. Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, we thank you that when you make a promise and give that promise, you also enable us to receive that promise. We thank you that you intend to bless us and nothing is going to thwart that. Not the devil, not this world, life, death, angels, even our own selves. And we thank you that we get to know you. We get to know you in our difficulties. We will know you in your glory. And knowing you is eternal life. We pray that you would enable us to lay hold of eternal life indeed. And as we depended on Jesus to save us by his death and his life, we want to depend on Jesus to live right now. And to not worry that wicked people are getting away with their wicked schemes and people are lying and cheating and stealing and they seem to be doing fine. They're healthy and happy and everything's wonderful. But we know, Lord, that the end of the world is coming and we want to look to that. Enable us, even in this coming week, to endure, to not give up, to depend on you until the very end. Fill each one of us with your Holy Spirit. Wash, cleanse, encourage, build up. And we thank you for working in us. And we trust that you're going to finish what you've started. We praise you and bless you. And we want to commit our year into your hands. And we thank every single day we come that much closer to receiving the promise. Come, Lord Jesus. And we pray that in the name of Jesus. Amen.